0: Welcome home. You're listening to the Life Center Rainier Weekend Message. Excited to be here, and uh, we're excited to get into the Bible. Are you ready? All right, come on. We don't have much time, so we want to dive right in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 this morning, and uh, before I get to that scripture, I I want to share a little qualifying story that might help us um, exhaust this scripture a little bit better, and again, my name is Jesse, and I am so very honored to come and share with you uh, this morning. Um, My wife and I, we've been uh, married for 13 years. I've been happy for 13 years, not... We're going to go with 12 and a half solid, right? I mean, just if you add up all those moments, right? It, it equals probably about six months, but um, I've been good. I'm great. I'm married way up. so <laughs> uh, sorry. But um, we've been married for 13 years, and uh, we're really excited about life. We have three beautiful little tax deductions, children, forgive me, because if you had children for the tax exemption, the juice ain't worth the squeeze, if you know what I'm saying, right? (laughs) But uh, my beautiful daughter, Gracie Ray, uh, middle child, Jace Jeremiah, and then our third child, Judah. Judah don't know if he'll pull a knife. Judah don't know if he'll pull a gun. This kid is tenacious, right? They're amazing. We're so thankful. They all play their part so well. And uh, a, a, a few years ago, we went to the museum downtown Tacoma. Have you been there yet? It's cool. It's fun. And, and we went and it was pretty busy. We couldn't really find parking out of the gate. So I dropped my wife and the kids off and they went inside. And, uh, if you know anything about me, I am what you call frugal. Uh, my wife says cheap at times, but you know, we can put a little pizzazz on that. I'm just frugal. And so I didn't, uh, didn't want to pay for parking. I went on a hunt for free parking. Any free parking friends in the house? Come on. All the men, right? (laughs) We don't need to pay for parking. (laughs) And, uh, So we went looking for parking. I couldn't find anything. Finally found something, ended up having to pay for it. So I felt defeated, right? Yeah, oh, the walk of shame to tell my wife I didn't find free parking. So we get inside, and as soon as I get there, she goes, honey, I I tripped. A kid came running by, and I caught myself, and I hurt my arm, and we need to go. I was like, I just paid for parking. (laughs) How much did you pay to get in here, right? And I looked at her, and I said, you're fine. And she looked at me and communicated like only a wife can without words. And all I could sense her saying was, I don't want to kill you in front of all these people. And so I picked up what she was laying down and I sprung right into action after a few Missed opportunities to engage quicky, quickly, and uh, and so I started going. Okay, I'm on it, babe. Let me get the kids. Gracie, come on, we gotta go. Mom, mom fell and hurt her arm. Really? Oh my gosh. Okay, come on. And then Jace, our our middle child, the sweetest one. I was like, Hey, buddy, we gotta go. Mom, mom fell and hurt her arm. My mama. Okay, I'll go. I'll come. And then Judah and. Uh, he was in the contraption. It was like a dinosaur. Like you can climb up in it. And then there's like the open body. And then there's like a part to climb up through the neck to the head. And he's way up there. And there's no way I'm getting up there unless I grease my hips and put a Twinkie in there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that season of life. Like I am heroically statured, if you will. Right? Husky. And, um, I was like, Judah, come down. And at this stage and age, he was in the terrible twos. And that's just because it's two years before and two years after two. Come on, some of the teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. And I go, buddy, come down. And his favorite word at the time was no. I was like, no, 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 come down. He's like, uh-uh. I was like, bro, we got to go. Mom hurt, his, hurt her arm. We got to go. No. I go, come down here. I'll give you something. (laughs) He's like, what? I was like, uh, spanking. Get down here. (laughs) And, uh, how many of you went into parenting thinking it was all about rationale, but you realize it's about bribery, (laughs) right? Yeah. You do that. You get this. Okay. If you don't do that, you'll get this. (laughs) And, uh, I go, no, come on, come down. Mom's hurt. We got to go. I go, son, seriously, come down. He goes, what are you going to give me? And I'm literally like, I'm going to spank this kid. I don't know what else to do. And, and I go, I'll give you candy. He goes, okay, comes down. He goes like this, and I spanked him. <laughs> no, I didn't. I waited till we got home. Actually, no, he's so cute. He got out of it, I think, right, didn't he? And uh, isn't this just like us in our journey with Jesus is that we are willingly to be obedient dependent upon what we get out of the deal. It's just like us in our fallenness, in our humanness, that we will give to get when it comes to the goodness of God. But how many of you know we didn't give anything for the gift of God's grace that we have received? God's given so generously. And the, the crazy thing about this is that the salvation that we received, the only thing we contributed to it was the sin that made it necessary. And so the salvation that we get didn't cost us a thing. But to continue in the call of God to follow him and be a disciple of his, it's going to come at a cost. And he gives us clarity in how we are continue to be called to come and follow him. Somebody say, come and follow him. I want to give us um, clear handles to help us follow fast to the leading of Jesus in our lives. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said it like this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Paul said to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? Like, there are some things that we should use to examine our lives to make sure we are following God by way of his Clarification and definition. You know, in this life, we have a lot of things that we will do to define what it means for us to be diligent and found faithful in Jesus. We're, we're bringing the definition. But that's, that's not how it's supposed to be. God's supposed to give the definition and we're just supposed to be obedient. Because he wants to lead our lives in faith and we have to trust that he'll lead us In good ways, it says that he'll lead us to green pastures and still waters. Like he is always leading us to goodness, but sometimes we got to walk through the shadow of the valley of death. And a tested faith is a trusted faith. And until our journey has been tested, our faith can't be trusted. And this is a a, a hard reality, but I, I believe this undoubtedly. This will help us understand how we are to continue to follow after Jesus. Matthew four nineteen says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. God's calling us forward to follow. You know, in our day and age, the, the definitions of the words are fluid. At different days, different words meant different things. When I was a young person, bad meant bad. But now today, bad means good. Right? And good is bad. And bad is dope. And dope is bad? What? I'm confused. Right? There's fluidity in these words. And when we hear the word follow me, we have a different definition of what this word means in our context, in our time. Because if you say follow me, that means I'm going to go to a social media platform and I'm going to look up your name and I'm going to either like or comment or follow or whatever it means. But we are now defining by way of a different definition based on our experience of the day. But Jesus made this clear. He's going to clarify the call and to come and follow him does not mean what we want it to mean. It means what he's defined it to mean. And so as we jump into the scripture, I just really believe that there's something about understanding how Jesus creates definition. I did a little word search on one of the social media platforms. Uh, I won't name which one it was, but it rhymes with Instagram. (laughs) And the first hashtag that I looked up was hashtag follow me. Do you want to know how many times this hashtag's been used? Somebody say, yeah. Okay, thank you. Hashtag follow me was used 482,152,550 times. You want to know how many times hashtag follow Jesus was used? 223,000. A fraction. Why? Because we want to live this life in control of our life. And Jesus says, your control is a perceived reality It's a bad perception. He says, if you really want to come and follow me, you have to count the cost and be willing to endure through the difficulties because I know the plans that I have for you. They're prosperous, they're hopeful, and they will process us and bring us through this path that will refine us and shape us into the more like image of the Son, Jesus Christ. Somebody should say amen. Amen. And so as we open up this scripture, I really believe it's going to bring clarifying qualifications of what it means to continue to follow him. Sometimes we allow other means to bring the definition, but Jesus is going to bring the definition. I saw a picture, a meme. It was a koala bear. He says, I'm a bear. I have all the qualifications. <laughs> no, that was cute. <laughs> He's heroically statured like me. I can barely stand it. Anyways, let's get into the scripture. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We'll be in the uh, New King James version. Um, I like how it, it read in this version. If you don't have your Bibles, we got the Bible in the sky. The Bible in the sky. Keeps on. All right, stop it. Matthew 16, it says this Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. Now, let me just pause for a quick moment. Here in this narrative of Matthew, I love how it's written in, in, in its fullness, but there's also other accounts Mark and Luke. It says here that Jesus said to his disciples. Now, let me just say this in the other narratives, it says to the disciples and the multitudes. Some of us are in this environment and we're kicking the tires on Christianity. We are not devoted followers of Jesus. And let me just say this this is a great place to be. You don't have to believe to belong here. You are welcome here. We really know that when Jesus is lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. And when we're in these environments, the atmosphere of faith is cultivated and created. And we believe that you are providentially placed here today to hear these profound words. So he says, not just to the disciples, because oftentimes we'll think, well, it's just for the leaders and the teachers and the pastors and the elders. No, no, no. This is for everybody. He says, if you desire, somebody say desire, Desire. to come after me, let him deny. Somebody say deny. deny. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Now, I want to break this down to give us better handles to help us take the next best steps in this life with Jesus. And I believe these five short, little, pointed points will help us, equip us, encourage us, and continue to lead us as we follow fast after Jesus. Are you ready? Both of you, thank you. Are you ready? Awesome. Write this down if you would. Number one, it's the first step in this journey. Next steps with Jesus, it's desire. Desire. Verse 24, part A of that, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me. You know, everything in this life starts with a desire. Every good decision and every bad decision starts with a desire. Desire. The Bible has something to say about desires. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I remember when I first started in this journey with Jesus, I read that portion of scripture, and I thought to myself, well, I'm in Jesus, and I have a desire for that girl over there. Now, Lord, give me the desires of my heart. Hallelujah. <laughs> Holler at your boy. <laughs> Luckily, that one didn't work out because I got something better. Hello. Hello. <laughs> But we, we go from this place of creating our desires to be catered to ourselves. But he says, no, no, no. There's an order to this thing. You get it out of order because you put yourself out in front and you can't follow Jesus. He says, first, delight yourself in me. And then guess what happens? The desires of your heart change to align with the life in Christ. And he says, now I can bless you. Now I can pour into you. Now I can give you what you need because your desires are in line with me. And so we desire things in this life, and God gave us a couple things. He gave us fleshly desires, and he gave us spiritual desires. Did you know whatever you feed is what's going to grow? And so we feed our flesh, and then it, then it starts to cultivate and create in us not just a desire, but a dependency upon those things as we sow to those seeds. Have you ever found yourself going to something sinful, thinking that you're going to use it, then all of a sudden it takes you further than you wanted to go, keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, and now you're not using it, it's using you, come on. And so as we sow to our flesh, we'll reap in the flesh. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will start to reap in the Spirit. Did you know the Bible says this in the Ecclesiastes, that he's placed eternity in the hearts of every man and every woman. That every single one of us is created in the like image of God. That he has designed us with purpose and power when we are connected to the source. But we have to desire the things of God above the things of this world. We have to desire to truly delight in him more than we delight in ourselves. The Bible says it like this. Don't think too high of yourself or too low of yourself. The problem is is that I don't think it's that we think too high of ourselves or really that we think too low of ourselves. I think the problem is we just think about ourselves altogether too much. You ever get caught up with your own self in mind when you have to come to the place of decision making and you just put yourself right in front of everything. And now all of a sudden we find ourselves back in this place where we are now at the center of our universe. This desire is cultivating and creating in us new things, new desires, new appetites, depth of understanding that God would reveal to us. You know, there's this guy named Abraham Maslow, and he created this hierarchy of needs, if you will, desires. They say there are five human desires that ultimately reveal to us the way that we are designed. He says, number one, the basic level of desire is to live, just to survive. And then there's the second level, and this is safety, to sustain that very life that you have been given. The third level is to belong or to love. Then there's the fourth, which is to be recognized by others. But the fifth and the highest level is fulfillment and purpose. And this desire is truly the desire that God has planted in us to really worship him, but also to operate in the gift of God in our lives, for us to be. You ever come to that place where you're saying, this is who I'm meant to be? Who we are meant to be is very fluid outside of the confines of the finding of following Jesus. We have human desires, and they're ultimately eternal desires when we put them in the right context. Because without desire, there is no decision. And without a decision, there is no discipleship. And as we follow Jesus, we ultimately have to have the seed of desire for the things of God. And you sow that seed in your spirit. And this seed now grows the tree that bears the fruit of living a life in Christ. And it all starts with desire. Not even decision. Even before the decision, we have to cultivate the right desires. Amen? Number two, write this down if you would. Deny. I'll say it like this. Denial is more than a river in Egypt. Verse 24 again in part B, it says, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This word deny actually means disown or to repudiate, to separate. It's the same word that Peter used when he denied Jesus three times. And, and so when, when, when Peter is denying Jesus, he's saying, get me away from, I want separation from, I want disassociation from. I don't want to find myself connected to that because it will cause more pain that I'm willing to endure. And I think we have to come back to the place where we're willing to count the cost and pay the price to say, I'll deny myself, as the Bible says, And not deny my God and my Savior. But I love how this says this. It says, let him deny himself. You know what we do when we start reading scriptures like that? We don't learn how to give ourselves to this process by denying self. We just deny deny things to ourselves. It's like Lent. And that's different than the stuff that comes out of your belly button for some of you that aren't very religious. It's like we'll deny things to ourselves, right? We'll, we'll deny luxuries to ourselves. Right? Like we'll be like these super power Christians that, like the 40 days before Easter, we're like, I'm not gonna drink caffeine for 40 days. And God bless you, super Christian, that you would deny yourself an addiction? That stepped on someone's toes. <laughs> But we think this whole thing about denial is about denying luxuries. It's not about denying luxuries. It's about denying ourselves and our selfishness, our self-will. The whole premise of the power of God is finding him at the center of the source. And if we are self-reliant, we will find ourselves steering this thing awry every time. We will rely upon self to a degree that we will find ourselves train wrecked upside down and looking up going, God, where am I? We have to be willing to understand that this selflessness is the opposite of independence. It's total dependence upon the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. Because we can't forget that we were bought at a price. First Corinthians 6 Verse 20 says, you are not your own. You've been bought at a price. Not any single one of us ultimately are our own. I remember uh, a, about a year or so ago, um, I got a new car. I got a Hyundai. Come on, where are all my Hyundai friends at? You know what I love about Hyundai? They've got like a Lexus complex, and they've got like all the same bells and whistles, uh, but except for it's like baller on a budget. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, sure, I got navigation, and I got power windows. What's that? Click, click, click. Oh, don't pay attention. Turn up the radio, right? And uh, so we got the Hyundai, and, and before that, I had an Acura. Um, I bought my wife this car a few years ago. It was a 2004 uh, Acura, and I thought, I'm going to rock this thing to the wheels ho- uh, fall off, right? Hold up. Wait. And so um, – <laughs> I'm going to ride this thing forever. I'm not, I don't want no car payment. I'm going to drive this thing because before that I had a truck. I was a grown man. I'm a man. I'm 40. And I had a truck and, um, and then we had a third child. And so I traded in the truck for the minivan. Where are the real sacrificial fathers in the house? Come on. Are you crying? Yeah, God is good. And so we got the Hyundai, but we got rid of the Acura. And I, and I knew there were some problems with it, so I didn't want to sell it to any individual person. So I went to this car dealership. I go, hey, I got this car. It's got some problems. I'd love to sell it to you, but I want to be forthright with what's going on. He goes, I'll stop you right there. He goes, we're going to sell this at auction. I don't care what problems it has with it. This is much money you'll get uh, from it if you want it. I go, deal, bye. <laughs> I slept well that night. And then about two months later, and this is true, I got a letter in the mail from the city of Portland. Your car has been impounded. Your license is about to be suspended. If you don't pay this amount of money, it's upwards of this amount of time in jail. I'm like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've never been, <laughs> never got caught. Yeah. <laughs> but I did get nervous. I started to sweat sweat a little bit. My, you know, my knees were heavy, vomit on my sweater already, mom, spaghetti, right? I was nervous. But I kept on forgetting. And uh, and so I called them. I was like, hey, just a little heads up. Like, I sold this car. Well, sir, your name is on the title. Do you have the title? No, I don't have the title. Well, sir, do you have the registration? No, I don't have the registration. This lady is sweating me. I was like, look, I'll fight you, lady. But I don't know. And so I was like, I don't own it. I don't have it. It's not mine. I don't know what to, to do here. She's like, so you're telling me. You have no regal, legal responsibility. You have no authority over this legal. I go, I've got nothing, nada. Let me say it slow. It ain't mine, yo. Co- so I felt like I was on the Maury Povert show, right? You are not the, fu- stop it. And, uh, but this is the same place we need to come to people as followers of Jesus. You are not your own. You've been bought at a price. The legal right and responsibility is His. not yours get out of the driver's seat jesus take the wheel (laughs) but you know what we do we go it's cool god's my co-pilot right and then jesus is over there sitting like you better trade seats and then you trade seats and then you're sitting there and you do like the straddle thing you're like jesus you ain't going fast enough come on you gotta go here my coffee shop's right over here we're gonna get that coffee We don't need to get in the passenger seat. We don't need to get in the back seat. Come on, we need to lock ourselves in the trunk yeah. and trust where he's going, where he's leading, how he's called us. Come on, he says, get behind me. Because we can't follow him if we're found trying to be in control. We constantly do this, and it causes nothing but trouble. And the only way to do it is to deny Ourselves and here is the hardest step that we're going to have to do, is the next step, of death. Death. It gets real serious. Oh jeez, he just got here. He's already talking about death. (laughs) Then Jesus said to his disciples, "If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross." And follow me. The cross, the cross is the clear symbol of death. Not just the accepting of death, but one's willingness to carry it daily. Now let me say it like this. The gift God gave us to be saved was free. And the gift of the call to move forward is going to come at a cost. The price of being willing to carry our cross. And now this grace is not a license to be lazy. It is an empowerment given to us to work on the areas of our life that needs work. Remember John 6, 29 says that the work of the Lord is to believe, to trust. I think we get so caught up in the acts, the works, and the deeds that we miss the doing of grace in our lives. And when you have the empowerment of grace, it's not that I do, it's that I am loved and I obey. And so this step of death, this, this next unction to the function of following fast after Jesus is required for us to, to understand it in its entirety. And so I want to give more preface to these pointed words because any text out of context is just a pretext, and we can make it say anything we want. So we're going to allow God to define it through his word. Amen? And so right before this, Jesus had taken his disciples away from Galilee to a place called Caesarea Philippi, right? And he asks his disciples this question, who do people say that I am? And then there's Peppermint Sox Pete, the, the one brother that keeps putting his foot in his mouth all the time. Come on, you know that person. My wife does. And Pete, little Pete, stinky Pete, Peter pops off and goes, well, some say you're the... The prophet, some say, Elisha, others say this, others say that, and then Peter, Jesus goes, okay, but, but who, do, who do you say that I am? And he goes, you are the, the Christ, you're the Messiah, you are God. And Jesus says, you have a- answered right, Simon Peter, for man did not reveal this to you, but God alone. And then in that moment, I think Peter does what a lot of us do, is when we get a compliment, Our head does this thing, and it goes, ooh. Wow, pastor, I like your shirt. Ooh, it's the same shirt, different color from last week. I'm at that stage. Ooh. Peter puts himself back into the primary position of being the ultimate lord of his life. He's saying, yeah, of course I answered right. Come on, you guys hear that? Even Jesus said it. I hear from God. You know the crazy thing about hearing from God is? Is that this is a bare minimum for being called a child of God. He says the sheep will hear the shepherd's voice. But a lot of times, instead of taking the step of death, we do this thing where we sit back inward and say, I don't need to do because I can hear. And we have these intellectual a sense where we think my information is leading me to transformation, but you forgot one key thing, application. And for this thing to apply in our life, to see the crucified Christ come alive in our lives, we have to apply it every day. Goes on, blessed are you, Peter, because this was not revealed to you by man, but the Father. Peter's like, I'm special. I'm someone. Well, we all are individually to God, but let me just say this. We put ourselves as elitists in this life, and he's never called us to do that. He says, get low. Verse 21, in chapter 16, reads this. From the same time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Pick pick this up. Peter, Petey Pete, Stinky Pete, Little Pete, grabs Jesus and goes, let me talk to you for a second. Come here. JC, come on. Let's wrap. Hey, got to put you up on game real quick. Never. Never, Lord. Never will you go to a cross. I'll make sure of it. I will never let you do this. And this is, what, this is what it says. Never, Lord, he says, this shall never happen to you. Verse 23, Jesus turned to him and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Jesus just called your boy Satan. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. This is just speculative at best, but I wonder in that moment if Jesus heard Peter say those things and it brought him back to a place, a place where he was taken out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. When the devil says, look, come up here, everything you can see I have to offer to you. All you have to do is just Allow me to be at the pinnacle of your life. And Jesus' response was, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word of the living God. No, come on, get behind me, Satan. And this is the the thing that he does with with Peter. He did the same thing to Satan. Because Peter wanted what most of us want every day. And this is the crazy thing, because catch this. He wanted a crossless Christianity. He wanted a Christianity of comfort, conformity, a big comfy couch, blues clues, Caillou, whatever. Shut up, Caillou. I'm just a... No. He wanted a crossless Christianity. And a crossless Christianity is an empty philosophy that will never save a soul. And if we don't understand... The clarity of the call to move forward that what is required of us is to trust Jesus in spite of us, regardless of the pain, regardless of the rejection. We got to pick up our cross. Every day, I remember when I first started reading the Gospels as a a young believer, I I came across the person, Siren of Cyrene. And he was the guy that was thrown in to pick up Jesus' cross as he he couldn't carry it for himself. He was so physically beaten and battered. And I thought to myself, come on, somebody else jump in. Help Jesus out. Wouldn't you carry the cross? And I was zealous and excited Until I realized what it meant to carry the cross, it meant that you were carrying it to death. And what it means to have the steps of following Jesus is it requires a death march. And when we consider this concept of dying to ourselves, we think about that old saying, well, we all have our cross to bear. And the only time we really say that is when we're thinking about our spouse. Well, we all got our cross to bear. Let me tell you, that's not a cross. That's a sliver. That's what the Bible says, a, a thorn in the side. But I prayed three times that it would come out. But, but God let me know, nevertheless, his grace is sufficient. Let me tell you, his goodness, his grace is empowering. It will continue to perpetuate us and lead us in this life. Come on, friends. We have to pick up our cross. We have to die to ourselves daily. We have to take the steps of a death march. Come on, dead man walking. And it is so hard when we are so full of ourselves. We can't be hungry for the things of God. And it's so hard. We get caught up in this life and we think I need that. Or I need this or I need the other. And then we come to this sacrificial place. Well, I'll just deny self things to myself. That's not what it's about. It's denying self, selfishness, self-will. And we come to this place where we will live Not indulging of our own life, but fulfilling the call to a greater level. Luke 9, 23 says, take up your cross daily and follow me. You know, in Matthew 4, 19, it says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you know when you come and follow Jesus, he's making you just like him. But it requires us to come and follow. And let me just tell you, remember, we we respond based on need. I didn't come to Jesus because I was like, he's God and I want to have eternity. I came to him going, I don't know what else to do. I've train wrecked my life. I feel like I'm at the bottom of the barrel looking up. I need something. So we all come based on need. But God doesn't move based on need. God moves based on faith. And the faith that is required for us to follow is such a gift that God would continue to lead us lovingly and call us forward in his goodness, in his grace. Because this crossless Christianity is is just a philosophy. It doesn't save anybody so much more, so much more powerful. Verse Romans chapter 12 Says it like this Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Somebody say, living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper. Worship. I love this verse because I think it gives us good handles. Did you know before Jesus came and, and, and shed his blood on the cross, the last atoning sacrifice, the blood of Christ, heals us all, makes us righteous, which means just right standings with God. Previous to Jesus' coming and our salvation in the new covenant of God, there was the old covenant in which we would have to sacrifice animals for every sin. So we'd have to go, and because the blood is what was holy, we'd have to sacrifice these animals, and the blood would atone for the sin, and it would redeem us. But this is the funny part how this whole thing works. Jesus is the fulfillment of all those. He says we didn't come to abolish these laws. Jesus came to fulfill them all. But he says this, this sinful act which we had to engage in this life to get the forgiveness of sins, we have to now continue to understand that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. But then he calls us living sacrifices. You know the beautiful thing about being a living sacrifice? Is that you still have free will. You know what true love is? True, will, true love is not controlling, it's not dogmatic, it's not demanding, it's liberating. It's genuine, it's true, it's caring. It it, it keeps no record of wrong. And the gift of God when we receive him is, he says, I love you in spite of you. And the hope is that you would reciprocate by living your life as a living sacrifice. But here's the problem with living sacrifices. They have a tendency to slither off the altar. I had my first um, uh, crawfish feed a few months ago. That freaked me out. I never, have you ever had like some gourmet food where it's still moving? It's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not eating that. Just like us, we find ourselves with the free will to do as we wish. We want to honor God and so we get to the altar and then we realize the cost and we go, ah, maybe I'll come back. We have to continue to live as living sacrifices, dying to ourselves, denying ourselves, and continuing to pursue the things of God daily. And the only way we can do that is through a life of devotion. Devotion. It jumps down from verse 24a. Hey, then he said to the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Come on. He says, follow me. This word is one word. It's in the Greek. It's aklu okluthayu. It means to walk the same road as someone else. Do you remember in, in, in the scriptures when, when, when the two disciples were walking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus? And it said, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. The beauty about being a follower of Jesus is Jesus is right there with us walking the same walk. But as we just read, Jesus told Peter, get behind me. A lot of times we'll walk this walk and we'll live this life and we'll think that we're walking the way that Jesus has called us to walk but yet we're still leading in this life because we have failed to have a forthright fundamental devotion and the beauty about a devotion to Jesus is it's not dependent upon me it's always dependent upon Jesus's devotion to us this is a beautiful example of the understanding of the grace of God When you fail him, he will never fail you. While we we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. The devotion of what it means to continue to follow him is that when I fall, he picks me right back up. When I falter and fail, he finds me beautiful. He says, come here. I love you. I'm with you. Continue to follow me. Let me lead you. Let me love you walk with me, work with me, watch, watch how I do it, let me lead you in this life. God's called us to a life of devotion. He did not call us to a life of random doings. Let me say it like this, there's two choices. We can be a trusted traveler with Jesus, or we can be a tourist. That word traveler, I love it because it literally means someone who goes, or I'm sorry, tourist, literally means someone who goes in circles. I call this the theology of Gwen Stefani. Few times been around that track. <laughs> but I ain't no hollerback girl, okay? We, we do these laps in life, and we go, what am I doing wrong? You're on the wrong track, the traveler really mean one who travails, who suffers, who toils, who endures, who learns another culture, who puts themselves in, in new places and learns the lay of the land, surrounds themselves, immersed, learning the language, learning the ways, not coming with their passport to get the stamp and the t-shirt to go home and said I did it. Though this life, is one of a trusted traveler, one that would travail, one that would not back down when it's painful, one that would not acquiesce when it's too difficult. Come on. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. Come on. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against it. Come on. You have everything you need in this life because he is with you. This is the devotion of God to us. And if we continue to learn to cultivate the right desires we'll apply it by denying ourselves and living a life of carrying our cross every day and these things feel a lot like doing don't they gosh it feels heavy a little bit but do you remember at the very end he says for the son of man will come in the glory of his father and his angels and he will reward each according to his works but friends Do not grow weary of doing good. Just remember, there is a destiny attached to all of this. The destiny of God. For whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I remember when I was a kid. We were so broke we couldn't afford to pay attention. You ever been there? Like, we were so poor, we was po. We were, because we couldn't afford the last two letters, the O and the R. We were just po. And, and I remember one time I went to the dryer, and I found 20 bucks. Come on, anybody ever hit the lottery before? I just play the scratch tickets. I don't. I was just, never mind. And I found their 20 bucks. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I know exactly what I'm gonna do with this. I'm gonna go get a roll of quarters. I'm gonna go down to the laundromat. I'm gonna play that slot machine as quick as I can till the lady with the broom comes out and hits me. I grew up in Las Vegas during my teen years. (laughs) There's slot machines at the laundromat. And and I didn't get there yet because I I got the money and I put it in my pocket and I had these shorts and and I didn't realize it had a hole in it. I got sat down next to the couch and I'm just cheesing, grinning. My sister's like, what are you smiling about? Nothing. (laughs) And then I get up, get up, step off the couch, and walk away, and I feel the money slide down my leg. And before I could turn around and get it, she jumps off the couch like a jungle cat and lands on this thing, grabs the money, and looks at me, and she goes, finders keepers, losers weepers. I thought to myself, if she didn't take me out last week with that left hook, I might come at her. But I think this world would ascribe to that same philosophy. Finders keepers, losers sweepers. Find your thing, do you, boo-boo. Get whatever you can get out of this life. No one else is gonna be jockeying for you. Come on, you gotta get yours, do you, make sure it's about you. But what if we did what Jesus did and we flipped this on its head and like the paradox of the gospel, the inversion of understanding that the greatest of these will be the least and the least will be the greatest and God would see. what if he would say it like this? Losers, keepers, finders, weepers. Because at the end of the day, this time isn't running out. It's winding up. And Jesus is coming back. And there is a day, a ripe which day, where we will be in the glory of the Lord and we have a destiny with God for all of eternity, friends. Don't grow weary. Don't stop walking. Continue to trust him. He will clarify the call. Come on, friends. I invite you, stand on your feet. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. He's worthy.